Coming up on today's show, a Star Wars game has been delayed, Rockstar Games has cleaned up its act, and we've got first details on PSVR 2. And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am one of your hosts, Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. I thought you were going to say Brittany or Brittany or something. Brittany. I, you had some. I can do that. Yeah. I like the bubble lips. Yeah. Thank you. All right. It's a nice little r- a rumble. Rumble lips. Oh, and we're joined by Miss Rihanna Manuel Pena. <laughs> Hello, Miss Rumble Lips herself. Rumble Rumble Lips. That's amazing. What a great name. Oh, that could be taken in so many ways, which we're not going to discuss right now because I want to say thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewie's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Goddard, and Punctified. And welcome to our Patreon community, Joe Hyman. And if you guys want to get the show ad-free and maybe even, dare I say, early access, patreon.com slash what's good games is the place to do so. And we're doing our shout outs. Stay tuned for that fun times later on in the show, of course. Brittany, it looks like we've got a grip of new podcast reviewers. A grip? A grip. <laughs> grip and rumble lips. Let's go. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, last week we put out the bat signal, the what's good signal, because we had some asshat leave a stupid review. And we got a whole bunch of y'all leaving us reviews Yay. for the first time. So Snaps thank you. Thanks, friends. Yeah. You got Hayden Vassant, First Poseidon. Jib, I know you did this on purpose, or JLB, whatever your name is, JLB19832014, paren, 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 at paren, 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 paren. Thank you very much. We have Cranberry Papaya mm. and Rev711. My favorite truly flavor. <laughs> Cranberry, Cranberry Papaya. Papaya. That's not a real flavor. Really? Mm. But, you know, oh, if somebody wanted to make know. it a flavor, I bet you it would taste delicious. Absolutely. I'd try it. Yeah. I'd try it too. Ladies, real quick, we got a really fun email from a Thomas Fortson. This will take but a minute. Okay. And they submitted it to our what's good email address. And this is really fun. So Thomas says, hey, ladies, I love the podcast. Solid info and very approachable for people that kind of suck at video games, but really enjoy them. The world can be toxic and stressful, but your podcast is like audio comfort food that really does help. I enjoy every week, and I'm so glad that Rihanna joined the crew. Also, I made a drinking game. One drink for every quote. My husband works for Disney. (laughs) Oh, this is a good one. Your drinks ready, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) One drink of Danigan's mentioned. One shot for any game delay announcement. Two shots for every time Microsoft acquires another company. Three shots if that company is from software. LOL. One shot for the phrase, Nintendo's gone and gonna Nintendo. Two shots for any on-camera appearances. One shot every time Brit says baby girl. <laughs> One shot every time you hear Chewie's godson. Three chicken tenders for every E3 reference. One drink for every time Andrea has to get the convo back on track. <laughs> <laughs> And one shot for whenever one of Todd Howard's promises about Starfield gets broken. But I just thought that was really fun. You know, we all have our little shticks and our little quirks. And I will be very conscious about the amount of times I say baby girl. I no, we love it, the, though. But this is a yeah. great bingo no, I know, card I get... that they put together. Yeah, thank you, Thomas. That was fun. That made me smile. You're already like a couple shots in on this episode. You're doing pretty good. Me, literally, or the audience? Both. Are you drinking oh, yeah. another I'm... terrible wine this week? Is that No, no. Here... <laughs> 
I have a, <laughs> some Cabo Wabo tequila. I've never had before, but I decided to go with tequila this month, this week. So someone recommended, Andrea, that I play a cruel, cruel joke on you. And that cruel, cruel joke was Why? to have some red wine, but put ice cubes in it. Oh, that's not that bad. Oh, okay. Do I sometimes do they that? Say, yes. Did we talk about this? You do How now. I, like, in my, we, did, we did talk about this. In my like, postpartum yeah, yeah. older age, I'm like, do whatever you want. <laughs> So my plan was to have some red wine and make chill it or make it cold or whatever you're not supposed to do. But it sounds like it wouldn't have been that impactful anyway. So I'm glad I went with tequila. Yeah, because it really pains me that you're drinking tequila. Mm-hmm. No, well, I'm glad that you're diversifying, though. It's, it's good to, you know, expand your horizons and try some new stuff from time to time. Thanks. Good. I just want a bottle up here. I have a big bottle of Costco whiskey downstairs, but Ooh. I didn't want to bring it up. But this is much more fun sized. Yeah. So. I recently learned Costco's beverages are actually not inferior quality, which is very nice to hear for oh. Costco members. In fact, they are usually better quality. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do a taste test, everybody. Ah. It's a big thing on the internet, even before TikTok, but now TikTok has popularized it again, which is fun. <laughs> Fun for for us to enjoy and watch. But let's get into the show. Speaking of the show, it's brought to you by Backbone and Athletic Greens. We'll talk to you more about those fine folks later. Our first story is all about Star Wars. So get your shot glasses ready. It's time for your obligatory (laughs) shot because it's time for my obligatory disclaimer that, yes, my husband works at Disney. All right. I feel like we need a song there. Like, my husband works for Disney. I know, right? you know like, Oh, yeah, it's like a catchy tune. We need Steimer to come back and make up a little right? jingle for it. I'll think of something. We'll phone her right? in. <laughs> it's time for my husband works at Disney. Disclaimer. Disney! That was not very good. I'll think of something more catchy. <laughs> but as a reminder, he doesn't talk to me about this stuff. He doesn't. <laughs> have any comment about this story but bloomberg has some juicy info star wars knights of the old republic remake is in quote serious trouble and quote delayed indefinitely writes bloomberg so we have been sort of loosely following star wars knights of the old republic we don't really know a lot about this remake other than that it's of the 2003 role-playing game and apparently according to bloomberg's report is delayed indefinitely as developers at austin texas-based aspire media try to figure out what comes next so it's interesting about this nomenclature that they're using verbiage semantics, whatever accurate word insert here, is that seeing that it's delayed indefinitely would indicate to me that they had announced a firm release date, which they had not done yet. So it's a little weird that they're saying it's delayed indefinitely when it's like, well, it sounds like they're just still working on the game. This is why it's important to kind of look Mm. at some of this stuff with a critical lens slash eye. So back to the story. Aspire abruptly fired the game's art director and design director this month. So that is, you know, a little raise of the flag. In a series of meetings throughout July, Aspire's two studio heads told employees that the project is on pause and that the company will look for new contracts and development opportunities. And so the people who were not authorized to speak publicly about the situation. Knights of the Old Republic was to be one of the first modern Star Wars console games released outside of Electronic Arts, which had previously held exclusive licensing rights. That deal expires in 2023, opening the door for new Star Wars games, which we have heard a lot about from companies like Ubisoft and Quantic Dream, just to name a couple people. Obviously, Respawn's working on a Star Wars game as well, among 
several other studios. So the game was announced last September and has been in development for nearly three years at Aspire, which was purchased by <laughs> Sweden's Embracer Group, who, of course, has been on a buying or shopping spree for studios lately. Aspire, founded back in 1996, was best known as a surface shop that brought existing video games to other platforms or a porthouse. And that included the original Knights of the Old Republic games, which they brought to various platforms. So, hmm. I mean, I am not concerned by this. To me, you know, Star Wars is always going to sell and a remake of Knights of the Old Republic is definitely going to sell. But if they need to take more time to finish it, I don't think anyone is going to be like, I'm very upset. Okay, I take that back. There's definitely somebody who's very upset about it. (laughs) Uh, But I think it's a good thing if the studio is looking at their project going, hey, this isn't quite where we want it to be. And if we're going to be remaking such a huge game, we got to do it right. Yeah, I wonder if there was maybe some sort of internal discussion of a release date they were maybe sort of kind of hoping to aim for. And that's why these people are using the delayed lingo, because, you know, it's all internal, these discussions, apparently. But I mean, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I'm actually really looking forward to this because, you know, I never played Coder, but or Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. There's some lingo that people use and I always get it wrong. I'm not trying to upset any of the fans of the lightsabers. Don't get mad at me. But yeah, I mean, like you said, it's going to come when it comes. And yes, people are going to be upset. But, you know, I have such a fucking huge ass backlog right now and a potential like my backlog of the future is going to be insane. Like I'm looking at Xenoblade Chronicles 3, 150 hours. There's no way. So it's okay. Nope. Be delayed. Maybe my kid will be in college by then. And I'll be able to play it. It'll come when uh, Half-Life 3 comes. <laughs> we'll just keep oh, waiting. Rip. Oh, man. I do want to mention that Saber Interactive was revealed to be helping join the development process. They actually announced that back in May uh, during Star Wars month. And that could have something to do with why things at the studio are kind of shifting and timelines have changed because if the team at Saber is going to be doing most of the work on the game, then they probably are going to need quite a bit more time to you know get the team up to speed or to change how they're doing some of the development or you know if they're changing their whole production timeline. I mean, bringing on a whole new studio to oversee can absolutely throw a bunch of wrenches in the timeline. Yeah, and I'm looking at this article on Kotaku, and apparently Aspire told partners that they were targeting a late 2022 release, but now they're looking as far off as 2025. Some close to development say too much time and money was spent on the demo, sent to Aspire's production partners, and that maintaining project's current course was no longer sustainable. Obviously, like Andrew said earlier, take these stories with a little grain of salt. It's all kind of he said, she said at this point. But listen, if you're willing to wait like six years for Skull and Bones... What's another couple of years for some Star Wars, huh? <laughs> oh, dude, I never watched that showcase. Er, I need to do that. Well, if you want to talk about it, we can. Okay, well, you saw it. I know. Reed, did you watch it? I did not. However, okay. I am excited for Skull and Bones because I really enjoy the pirate genre. So I'm rooting for it. But, I mean, a lot remains to be seen. Okay, Andrea, then as the only one who did her job and watched it, what do you think? I tweeted about this. So if you guys saw, I think it looks good from an ocean tech and ship combat mechanics perspective. No surprise there. Ubisoft has always done a great job with their water tech, and I really enjoy the ship combat mechanics in the Assassin's Creed franchise. But the thing that really stood out as a miss for me and why I'm confused about the delay of the game is that you can't really do any off-ship exploration, like, at all. You can go to designated ports to interact with vendors and to pick up, like, missions, but you can't, like, 
get off your ship and jump and swim up to an island like you could in Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. And to me, not having that functionality is a head scratcher. It's like, well, clearly you guys have that tech built in and are you're mm-hmm. capable of making it. You made it in a game that's many years old at this point. And you also don't have the combat. The boarding process used to be that you would board another ship and that you would then fight you know, all of the crewmates on that ship and then take down like the captain or whatever. And then you would take all the resources and hooray, you've won the ship. But now that whole process looks like it's all automated as part of like a cutscene, So you don't actually do any hand-to-hand combat in Skull and Mm. Bones. And I'm like, wait, so the game is just sailing around in your ship doing ship combat and then getting off on islands and having very limited ability to kind of walk around with your customized pirate. I was like... Okay, that doesn't sound like a bad game. It just doesn't sound like the game I think people were waiting for and hoping for. And it also just sounds like a much smaller scope of a game. And so I'm like, why has it been delayed so long then? If that open world exploration Mm -hmm. element isn't in the game. That is very confusing. Unless it was originally maybe and they realized that it was just like not turning out the way they wanted. Well, because I'm thinking of Sea of Thieves, right? And what I love about Sea of Thieves is if you do have that ship combat. And like, granted, at least the last I played, it's pretty cut and dry. Load up a cannonball, shoot it. I'm sure there's tactics and ways to get really good at it. So I was thinking, okay, well, maybe they're just trying to lean into the ship combat aspect of it and really just like make that its shtick. Mm -hmm. Because Sea of Thieves, what's so great about that is I love how, you know, the combat's simple and then you can get off the island. There's that whole aspect of exploration but, you know, maybe Ubisoft is seeing the success that Rare's had with that and they're thinking, okay, well, how can we kind of dip into this? And maybe, I guess, expanding on the ship combat is their answer for it. And perhaps adding that exploration just makes it a little too hyper-focused in on that if that's what they're going for. I mean, I don't know. I'm talking out my ass here. But interesting. That kind of lessens my excitement for it a little bit. Because I, you know. Yeah. That was the general that. sentiment after that showcase that they had was that everyone was like, mm. oh, it looks good but not what i wanted so especially when there are games like sea of thieves that are crushing it doing well it's like well honestly i was hoping for more black flag quite i mean to be completely Mm. fair i'm disappointed that that's not what we're getting and i am all for deepened ship combat and all for like going further down that road however as you mentioned andrea if they have all of that work at their fingertips and they can access it i don't understand why it wouldn't be implemented because honestly that was part of what made that game my favorite assassin's creed in the entire franchise and also even like Mm -hmm. the mobile component like the things you could do offline just sending out your ships and you know doing that Mm -hmm. fleet management was really fun and i enjoyed that you know interaction with the same game or at least the same account while i'm not at my console I'm, i'm surprised they didn't go further down that road because it was very interesting and i really wanted to see how that could be developed out further. I don't know if they're not including that specifically, but yeah, it's not just more of what you got in Black Flag, which was the general sentiment I saw online too, of everybody being like, oh, I wanted more of that. I want to like jump off my ship and swim to an island and find some treasure and then get back on my ship and Mm. go, you know, blast somebody out of the water. And it's like, well, (laughs) you can only do half of that. So we'll see how the game is supported post-launch. And obviously what they showed was the final build of the game, but the game is slated to come out later this year. And Ubisoft has definitely gotten into the live service game, has been, I shouldn't say they've gotten into it. They've been in it uh, for a couple of years now and have been doing really well. So it's possible that their plan is to add in some content post-launch, depending on how it does. So 
All right. Anyway, that was a little detour on some old news. Hopefully y'all didn't mind. But back to another Bloomberg story. Now, I don't want to read this whole thing. It's quite lengthy. But if you guys are interested, of course, Bloomberg.com is where Jason Schreier wrote about what's happening inside Rockstar Games. Apparently, they've cleaned up their frat boy culture. Is this a silence of we don't believe it? It's just a dramatic, dramatic pause, a pregnant pause, if you will. Just to be like, "Uh, anybody have thoughts? Is this real? Is it not? Obviously, this is like at face value. You go, oh, if Jason's writing about it, feels like it's a good thing, right? That he's calling attention to people talking about it getting better in the studio. That's what you always want to hear. So just to kind of like pick apart this story, because as I mentioned, it's quite a lengthy feature that he wrote. And if you're interested in what's happening in the whole thing, I, again, recommend you go over to Bloomberg and check it out. The reason why we pulled it is because obviously Rockstar is a giant developer. Everyone's keeping eagle eyes out for GTA 6 and when we're going to get an announcement for that. And the kind of mm-hmm. takeaway from the story is that it sounds like after coming under heavy fire in the last couple of years for some crunch issues and other workplace culture issues, that they're making some good changes. Yeah, that's like the TLDR of it, you know, which is good. And it sounds like they're also just becoming more aware of that, again, like frat boy culture and what maybe was tolerated years ago with the launch of Grand Theft Auto V is, you know, times are changing and people are starting to hopefully become more sensitive to real world issues out there. And maybe some of the things you've implemented in your video game just it doesn't it doesn't sound right and it's not good and you shouldn't put that in there anymore. Yeah, and so like what it was talking about specifically is that there was a mode, for example, called Crops <laughs> Crops and Cooks. That's a, that's a Crops and Cooks. <laughs> that's a farming sim. I mean, it sounds like a great game. Let's <laughs> try it. Crops it sounds cooks. like a brick. Like <laughs> a farm to table simulator. I love it. <laughs> Genius. Give me 5% royalty. That's all I ask. 10%. I deserve 5%. That. Come on. 10, fuck, 15%. Five for all of us. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, just, yeah, again, like what I said, it's just they're like, okay, maybe we shouldn't do this in here. It's not good. The other thing that I thought was interesting is that it said that they have increased the pay gap, which is great, at their company, and that their next protagonist will have a woman, which is like, what? Well, it's like, about time. So yeah, the article itself says it will include a playable female protagonist for the first time. The woman who is Latina will be one of a pair of leading characters in a story influenced by the bank robbers Bonnie and Clyde. Developers are also being cautious not to punch down by making jokes about marginalized groups. In contrast to previous games, like we were saying earlier, it's just like, hey, fuck yeah. They're learning. That's great. Sounds like they've got some good consultants I mean, in working with them this time around. I hope they do. I mean, that's the whole thing. And obviously, I'm as white as they come. So, like, I can't speak on behalf of anyone. But Janet Garcia tweeted out something interesting. And she was saying, I'll summarize here, but, you know, typically when you see Latina representation in video games, it's like there's, like she said, seven words of Spanish that they apparently integrate with English. And that's, like, how (laughs) you know. Right? Reese laughing. You know, like, yeah. They just call somebody mija and that's it. Like mija or amigo or abuela (laughs) or something. And it's like, okay, come on. So, yeah, like, I really do hope that they have some folks on their team that are like, hey, maybe you should, like, expand this a little bit and actually talk to someone, you know, who. So, yeah, we'll see. It's we'll see. This is a good story, but it's like, are you really changing? I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, but listen, we've all been let down before. So I have to imagine if Jason's taking time to write about it, that 
it means that there's like some good stuff happening, you know? Yeah. Clearly yeah. he got this story because people wanted to talk about the bad stuff that was happening inside the studio. But I've always talked on this show about how important I think education and rehabilitation is because if we just continually, you know, shun and ban everybody who missteps or makes mistakes or is being insensitive or being outright mean, you know, that's not a way to communicate with people on a human level. It's like, hey, like, Let's have a moment where we say, hey, what you said made me feel this way or affected me this way. And I would appreciate it if you would be more cognizant or sensitive to how your actions and your words affect others. And you only hope for the best that they're going to be like, oh, shit, sorry. That was definitely not my intention. I will be more sensitive to the words that I use and make sure that I'm not, you know, being a douchebag. Don't be a douchebag. Yeah, it's just don't. Okay. And then a few little tidbits on supposedly GTA 6. Originally, it was codenamed Project Americas, and the plans were for it to be more vast than any GTA game to date. Early designs cost for the inclusion of territories modeled after large swaths of North and South America. But it sounds like now they're just going to continually update it over time, adding new missions and cities on a regular basis, which they've proved they're very good at. Have you met Grand Theft Auto Online? Which the leadership hopes will lead to less crunch during the game's final months. It'll still be large, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. I mean, listen, if things go shit, we're going to get a story about it. If they don't go shit, we're going to get a story about it. We'll find out what happens. But for now, fingers crossed. And hopefully some change is abound. Yeah. And hopefully leadership is true to their word when they say no crunch we're truly going to change the culture because really it comes from the top it's hard to make those changes on the employee level only it really does require the belief and the investment and the resources and the time and a lot of times the money as you said Andrea consulting companies to make those large shifts in a culture so I'm excited to see this reporting I hope it continues yeah. we'll be watching we will be watching all right, so a couple more quick news stories here. We got some details, a very uneventful blog post, might I add, from <laughs> Sony about PSVR 2. When I was tweeting about this, I almost called it like a stealthy, sneaky blog post, but because Sony has been doing this lately with some, what I think is a pretty big marketing slash PR beat that they could have taken for a big piece of hardware they're going to be pushing. They're just like... Just a little blog post. And then they use GIFs. They didn't even have a video of the thing. They're like, let's put GIFs <laughs> in it instead. I'm like, the kids love GIFs. I mean, don't get use me wrong. I love GIFs. You know this about me. I use GIFs probably excessively. But I was just hoping to see a little bit more. But we did get a look at it. And that was cool. And it looks like they're implementing some of the things that we've seen in other VR headsets. The mapping of the floor reminds me a lot of what you do with MetaQuest now, I believe is the proper name. I think that this has potential to be uh, really cool. If I could just stop getting nauseous when I put a virtual reality headset on, that'd be great. So <laughs> I know you, I think, have played the most VR. I was in the lead for a while there. And then I think you surpassed me. So have you always gotten nauseous? I thought you were like, yeah. Not always. Not it used to just be specific types of games would make me nauseous, particularly ones that didn't have a teleport feature. So when you're obviously in first person in virtual reality, if you're working with a camera system that is not fixed, because some games do fix, that's why I really enjoyed Moss. And I have to play the second one, by the way. Moss 2 was out. Mm -hmm. But why I was able to spend a lot of time in that game is because they use a fixed camera system then you can like kind of rotated around the world 
Whereas a lot of the first-person games like Doom, for example, can make you feel a lot more woozy because of the way that you're moving around and your brain is like kind of not connecting the dots of like, okay, I feel like I'm moving through space, but gravity and my other nerve endings are telling me that we're not actually moving through space. And so like there's this dissonance that causes this balance nausea. But a lot of games try to address that with one high frame rate, which helps. And then two, with a teleport system. So instead of like smoothly moving as you would in a 3D game, you essentially make these short teleports forward, like you're just jumping forward. And I'm kind of going a little bit above and beyond to explain this for people who maybe haven't spent a lot of time in VR or don't maybe know what I'm referring to. And that helps too, but what's really challenging is that not every game locks a really high frame rate or locks the resolution and the system that you're working on also has to be pushing the frame rate as well. And it's still never going to match what the human eye can do. There's always going to be a little bit of a... I don't want to use the phrase Uncanny Valley because that's not quite exactly what I'm trying to describe. But basically, like, my body's like, something ain't right. Yeah. <laughs> and My concoction and I to sick. prevent nausea was always a shot of five-hour energy, a shot of whiskey, and then a whole bunch of water. Like, I don't know, but that's what always what I play or shot right before I would do any VR back in like 2017, 2016. And it seemed to have worked. But like Andrea, I had to always use the teleport method. I could never just like turn around. No bueno. Or like the snap frame method. The thing from this press release, I was like, huh, the VR mode and cinematic mode. I don't know if I. OK, so you have VR mode. You enjoy VR content, a 360 view in a virtual environment. Content will be displayed in 4000 by 2040 HDR video format fancy lingo and then you have cinematic mode players can view the ps5 system and ui and all non-vr game and media content on the virtual cinema screen so you just put on your headset and you just play something on a virtual am i is that's it yeah. yeah so i think the reason why they included that just is my theory i don't know this is not their official answer is uh-huh. because it's a good way for people to be able to play or watch something if they're in an environment that doesn't have an external screen. For example, let's say you're on an airplane and you are playing something in VR and then you're like, oh, well, I want to watch a movie that I have downloaded to my mm. to my PSVR 2. Okay. Well, some movies you can watch in VR, but not very many. But there's a lot of them that you can watch on a virtual screen where it feels like you're sitting inside of a movie theater, but then you look up and there's a screen. It allows them to lock aspect ratio for a way bigger library of content. Obviously, it's not something that is going to get used a lot. If you're at home or next to a computer, you probably would rather watch it on that screen in front of you instead of in the headset. But it's a way for them to be able to expand their media library for people that want to buy one to say, hey, you can you know, watch other kinds of things or play games that aren't formatted for virtual reality in a virtual reality setting. It always struck me as one of those options for, you know, multiple users in the same television. So shared kids room or living room or what have you when you want to have an experience either gaming or, as you mentioned, watching a movie or something. But somebody else is on the primary television in the room you're in and you just have to share that space. But again, very specific use case for that. Uh, makes sense. Or maybe you just want to forget the world around you and pluck that little bitch on your face. And You've been there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, ladies. No problem. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Yeah, so that's basically it. If you want to read the full blog post, of course, head on over to PlayStation's website and you can get all of the details. I expect we will hear more about it later this year 
and maybe we'll finally get, you know, a price and a release date, which we don't have yet. All right. Uh, speaking of VR, MetaQuest 2 is getting an increase in price? Question mark. Yeah. This seems like a yeah. weird choice, but, you know, Meta slash Facebook really don't care about much <laughs> medical <laughs> meta medical meta exactly um, basically starting august 1st so next week 128 gigabyte version of the MetaQuest 2 is going to cost 399.99 and it was previously 299.99 so basically it's going up a hundred dollars and as your solve for that you get a free copy of beat saber Wow. Good game to give. Great oh, yeah. game. Yeah, we'll give them that. Yeah, it's a fantastic game. Really good game. pick. Worth a yeah, hundred dollar um, increase? Mm, probably not. Yeah, that uh, you know that's kind of you know the games. So anyway, Meta, excuse me, Meta. I always want to say Facebook, but I don't. Know. Meta, what a fucking cocky ass name to give. I digress. Sites inflation as one of the reasons for the price gouge. They say the cost to make and ship our products have been on the rise. By adjusting the price of Quest Two, we can continue to grow our investment in groundbreaking research and new product development that pushes the VR industry to new heights. Ladies, we gotta add Meta to the companies like Apple who are just struggling to make money. Yeah. Clearly, you know yeah. this one hundred dollar price increase is gonna help them and they're now going to be able to be around for the years to come because they couldn't afford it otherwise yeah Just calling shenanigans on that one yeah yeah i mean absolutely not is it possible that they really competitively priced it to the point that they were not making any money on this hardware absolutely I definitely think that, but they also can afford to take the loss on that and then just make it up in software. But my guess is that Bob over at the Facebook marketing <laughs> team slash meta marketing team decided Bob. he was like, listen, we have millions of potential new customers who don't care or know that it used to be $300 and now it's $400. let us just raise the price. We're clearly not going to win the people who didn't want to buy it yet anyway. We're just going to go after the new consumers who don't even know about us that we're going to make new consumers of our content that's what bob said uh, he pitched it in a meeting and then zuckerberg's bob's like bob right. you get a raise bob's kind of yeah. right unfortunately there's yeah. a lot of folks who are not going to be following this the way we have been and they will be yeah. completely unawares and we'll just see oh cool it's for blank dollars whatever it is by the time it actually comes out and they will get it yeah that's right so I guess you got like a couple days to get one if you want to get one before the price goes up. I saw, Andrew, you might know this guy, John Drake. He tweeted. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> I do happen to know that guy, actually. You might, you might know him, you know. He had tweeted basically like, has anyone seen something like this happen before? And someone did respond. And I think they said in Canada that there was a $30 increase to the PS4, I think it was, or PS5 way back in the day. But I think that was the only example I could find that anyone mm. had mentioned. It's just, it's. I don't know. It, it just feels icky. You know, I feel like I need to take like 18 showers. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, granted, they do have Resident Evil 4 VR exclusive, but like, that's what you fucking package. Beat Saber and Resident Evil. Chelsea. I mean, two games is closer to $100 than one game. True. Yeah, I guess. VR, everybody. All right. Quick couple in case you missed it. Multiversus is having a beta right now. It's live right now. And apparently it's absolutely enormous. 
IGN wrote that after launching into open beta this week, the new fighting game from Warner Brothers has seen some staggering numbers, reaching a peak of 144,000 concurrent players on Steam alone. This puts the game ahead of the likes of Warframe, Rust, and even my bay, Destiny 2. Wow. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. This is a silly game, but people are loving it. I'm excited to try it out. I definitely want to spend some time in the beta. I missed getting to play in the alpha, and like you said, the game looks hilariously silly. So it also looks like there's a lot of thought and intention put into the character animations and even like their fighting styles and what they do within a fight. And I just really love like the the clear I give a shit that's been put into this game because mm-hmm. a lot of fighting games get phoned in and I'm not even in the FGC, but I've seen it from the outside. So this is one that I'm paying close attention to. So we'll see how the beta goes. I love it. I Yeah, I mean, I really do love this. I remember, I think Rebecca Valentine was on the show with us, Andrea, when we were talking about it. And we just laughed our asses off because how could you not? Like Shaggy versus Gandalf at the time, like haha. <laughs> Seems but so silly, yeah. The, like you're saying, Ree, the fact that it's being taken seriously and it's performing so well, I think it's just the biggest fuck you, and I love it. Like I hope this just becomes so popular because it's so silly and it's so good. Like I'm interested in watching this shit competitively. Bring it to Evo. Yes, let's please. go. Yeah, Evo yeah. is very soon. Britt, you want to take this next one? I do. Yeah, and I kind of want to rant a little bit, but I'm not going to. Okay. Okay, unless it was a typo, and I'm going to find this out real quick. Okay, so don't fix it. All right, so anyway, TLDR, you got eight Yakuza games coming to PlayStation Plus in 2022 starting this month. PlayStation announced this on the 27th of January. And so here's the breakdown. If you have the, what's like the basic ass bitch mode, it's essential. If you have essential, you're going to get Yakuza Like a Dragon. If you have extra premium in August, you're going to get Yakuza 0, Kiwami, Kiwami 2, If you have premium and premium only, you're going to get Yakuza 3 Remastered, Yakuza 4 Remastered, and Yakuza 5 Remastered. But if you have extra and premium and or premium, excuse me, you'll get Yakuza 6, The Song of Life. Now, there's been some kind of jumbled messaging on Twitter and even on this blog itself. There's some contradiction here. It sounds like some tiers get you some games, some tiers don't get you other games. Again, the next paragraph, they say something that contradicts that. So it's hard to tell what's real, what's not, what's reality anymore. Who could say? My point is, this shit's confusing. This shit is stupid. All of these games are on Game Pass. It's $9.99 a month, and that's all you need. Just get basic bitch Game Pass. It's cheaper, and then you can play all of these. You don't have to go through this tier. I imagine if my little baby Ree, baby girl Ree, she comes up to me. She's like, Britt, I really want to like get to know your Japanese husbandos. Like, you know, because I know you talk about it so much. And I'm like, why, yes, the world of Yakuza is fantastic, and all the husbandos are incredibly hot. But she's like, I don't know how to play this. I'd have to like go down this long ass thing of like, well, maybe you need premium for this and then you need essential for this and then you need deluxe for this. That's stupid. Why you do that? People, they can't even get the messaging right on Twitter because it's so confusing. RGG is contradicting PlayStation. All I'm saying is this was a bad idea and you should feel bad about it, PlayStation. It's stupid. This is confusing. That's my rant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good rant. And you're not wrong. It's been like the complaint, right, against this model since they announced it that everyone was like, but why are you overly complicating something that could be pretty easy? Why? Yeah. It's, you know, again, the poor place, they're, they're hurting for money. They need that extra, I don't know, like 10 bucks a month for they need the, the people in premium. Otherwise, if you, if you don't upgrade from extra premium, they're not going to make it. So you better do it. What the fuck? <laughs> the idea that they're not going to make it. That's funny. You're not going to make it. Uh, anyway, my, I guess my, 
whatever. If you want to play Yakuza and you have an Xbox, just play it on Game Pass. You have everything. You have like a dragon. You have zero. You have six. You have all through six. You have all of them. Just all the husbandos. One there local. All of them. And they're all fantastic. <sighs> Shout out anyway. to some stray mods, apparently. Mm-hmm. I've seen some okay. really cute ones. What, what are I don't know if, if you ladies have seen these. No. And like I'm worried about pulling them up. Be- sure. Because sure, I sure. think that we'll get content ID'd for them. But Well, you can mm. just look at them for your own pleasure then. Okay. Um, there's a lovely Garfield mod where you play as Garfield. <laughs> there is a CJ mod from Grand Theft Auto, which is the funniest and most disturbing shit I have ever seen. I mean, and then there's a Heavy Rain Jason mod where the cat goes around and, you know, there's a dedicated meow button. It yeah. just goes, Jason! Just oh all the God. versions of Jason. I, I just have to give a shout out. And then there's people actually who are taking commissions to put your own cats into <gasps> Stray. I feel like I have to do that. I feel you like should you absolutely should do, that. do that. Okay, I have to find those like people who are doing these commissions. I will say yeah. the was it the Sir Galahad one seventy two mod for CJ. I was picturing something very different. Apparently, for <laughs> for those who aren't able to click on the video, I, I'm assuming we could put a description or maybe even tweet it out later today. It's literally CJ on all fours, but <laughs> shrunken down with a normal sized head. <laughs> But a cat. Oh, oh my, <laughs> so. It looks like it looks like he's doing a yoga pose, Ree. That's like breaking his back or some shit. I can't tell what's happening. And his um, mouth is agape. Oh my god! It's, it's pretty <laughs> terrifying, actually. <laughs> like I don't know why why this exists. Well, I do. The internet. The internet is bored apparently, and they're like, let's do and something. Then the other cats. Guy. The other cats are like humans too, or some shit. I don't know what's happening. They're that's like great. <laughs> I want a Thomas the Train. Somebody mod Thomas the right. Train, please. That was my thought to you. You're like, where's the Thomas the Train? Anyway, yes. I don't know. Like, sometimes the internet's stupid, but other times it makes me laugh. Shout out that to was, these That was very people. pleasant. Yeah, thanks, mods. Keep doing what you're doing. Never change. Uh, Let's take a break, shall we? When we come back, we're going to talk about some video games that we've been playing. I've been cleaning a lot of things. I can't wait to team with you lately. (laughs) Can't wait to talk to you about. (laughs) Stay with us. We'll be right back. It's the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast, and this is where we talk about what we've been playing and any events we have been to. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by these fantastic sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Backbone. So what's holding you back from the ultimate gaming experience? Is it maybe the hundreds of dollars it costs for your setup? Or maybe you're busy and you're on the go and you've only got a few minutes to game? Trust me, I know exactly what that feels like these days. You can level up your game with a backbone, the universal gaming essential that lets you instantly play console games on your iPhone. No console required. So the backbone is the newest game-changing essential that transforms your iPhone into a handheld console so you can play anywhere, anytime. Simply plug your iPhone into the backbone and enjoy console quality controls with responsive buttons and triggers, clickable analog log sticks, and more as you play Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and App Store games. The Backbone lets you explore thousands of worlds in the comfort of almost anywhere. Have I taken my Backbone into the bathtub to play Diablo? Maybe. Don't judge me. 
Did I worry about dropping it in the water? Of course I did, but I didn't. Aha. Now, if you don't own a console, it's no problem at all. Stream hundreds of games like FIFA, Halo, Minecraft, and more through cloud gaming services like Xbox Game Pass, NVIDIA GeForce Now, and even Google Stadia. And if you already have a PlayStation, Xbox, or PC, you can play the games you already own with Remote Play or the Steam Link app. Experience for yourself what TechCrunch calls the closest we've ever seen to a portable Xbox. And for Diablo fans, Backbone is the official partner of Diablo Immortal. Not only is the game specially optimized for Backbone, but you're also going to get $10 of in-game perks. Now, this is in addition to everything else that Backbone is currently offering, which includes free access to over 350 console games, one month of free Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, one month of free Apple Arcade, two months free of Google Stadia Pro and three months free of Discord Nitro. That is a lot of free gaming stuff. But this is only for a limited time, you guys. And only when you go to playbackbone.com slash what's good. Find your next adventure today at playbackbone.com slash what's good. Don't forget to use our link, which you can find in the show notes below, playbackbone.com slash what's good. This episode of What's Good Games is also brought to you by Athletic Greens, which is a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, hey, while I am very good at making sure my child and my husband and everyone else around me is fed and full of nutrition, I'm really, really bad at making sure that I am taking care of myself. So what is Athletic Greens? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day off right, just like I do. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. So again, every morning while Jason and Jace are getting their breakfast fix, I make it a point to make sure I'm also breaking my fast with Athletic Greens. And while I've never been a breakfast person, I prioritize chugging AG1 because it does give me this little zip that I didn't know I was missing. Jason also makes these really yummy fruit and veggie smoothies every morning as well, but he also makes sure now he puts in his own little serving of AG1, and he also agrees that it gives him a little boost. And hey, when you have a little 14-month-old running around, you need all the boost you can get. On top of helping your body feel good, your conscience can feel good too because Athletic Greens is a climate neutral certified company. In 2020, AG purchased carbon credits that support projects protecting old growth rainforests. And for every purchase, Athletic Greens donates to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S., and finally, in 2020, AG donated over 1.2 million meals to kids. Heck yeah. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you free supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash what's good. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash what's good to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Before we talk about what we've been playing, we have to give a big shout out to our 
fans, friends, and community members at patreon.com slash what's good games. Thank you to everybody who supports us there and supports our voices. Your financial support of our show helps keep the lights on quite literally and figuratively, of course. And we want to give you guys your shout out. So it's our monthly time to say some names, everybody. Brittany, kick things off for us. In MNL, Fargo Brady, Jake Finney, Daniel Edison, Bill Rosas, <laughs> Tyler Adams, Erskine James, Casual Blasphemy, Trick 24, Sean Little, Omega 3, Jason Luck, Marooned at Noon, Eric Z, Dragos 3442, Mick Nanobiologist Abrahamson, Abramson, Abramson, <laughs> sorry, Excess <laughs> underscore oddities, Trent Berry, Sean I, Elizabeth Douglas, Brenna Johnston, Patrick Landry, Rob Leonard, he, I almost said Keeneth, she's <laughs> Kenneth Simmel, <laughs> Trent Bennington, Emily Kent, Jessica Bloom, Patrick Weller, Noel Navares, Chris Wang, Tyler McCall, Joe Wilson, Devin, it's Adrian Rock Williams, Chai Jackson Burgess, Renette Burns, Joselle Bassa, Gary Peck, Dale Sun, Robert F. Freimering, Carl Milne, Marcus Ian Brown, Peach Shoemaker, Teresa Ennert, Andrew Colton, David Icolucci, Elmo Shell, Gio Corsi, Ozzy Mejia, Nicole Humphrey, Stephanie Fitzwilliam, and my husband who works at Disney, John Drake. Um, excuse me. <laughs> Take another shot. <laughs> where is Jason Demers on this list? I'm going to have to have a <gasps> chat with did him. He, did he de-pledge from the shout out to you? Know, I think what happened is he got a new credit card and everything's getting to die. <laughs> you know, and that that's a, the fucking worst. Don't Just, worry, Jason. She'll make sure that you get signed back up. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm increasing that pledge now, sir. Oh, snap. How dare you? But yes, like Andrea said, thank you all so, so much for your continued support. And now, Andrea, baby girl, take a shot. You mentioned that you're cleaning, and I feel like this is something you talk about a lot lately. And like I was saying, I've noticed a theme with you. I feel like it's ever since Charlie, but Unpacking was one of a game you very much enjoyed. Mm -hmm. On TikTok, you watch a lot of cleaning TikTok a lot of organizational TikTok videos. And now you are playing Power Wash Simulator. And it's I feel true. Like, I feel like you derive great joy from this theme. And I'm I'm here for it. I love it I for you. I do. I do. So the game Power Wash Simulator has actually been out for a little while. It was in early access for a while. And then it joined Xbox Game Pass. And that's how I decided to give it a whirl and try it out. And normally, these... I have a question. I'm sorry. Yes, go ahead. And maybe you're going to talk about this. Do you think it's ever since you had Charlie that you get more joy out of this? Or was it before Charlie you think you also would get joy out of this kind of stuff? I think even before Charlie, I okay. definitely got joy out of this. I love being organized. I love things being tidy and clean. But my life post baby has just been like obvious like any parent knows like it just hasn't been that way right like you it's just a manage of the chaos and learning to live with a little bit of chaos and I think the hard part for me now as a parent of a toddler is that I have to kind of stop watching as much of the TikTok stuff that I was watching because it now stresses me out that I can't ever get my house to look that way I actually watched a really funny video uh from 
clearly a mom who had this beautiful video where she's like, oh, we're going to put the towels over here. We're going to light this candle over here. It's going to look really pretty and clean. And then she's like, now nah, to keep your house looking like this, get rid of your children and get rid of your husband. And <laughs> I'm going to chuckle. Because it's true. You can't live in a house that looks unlived in if there's people living in it. And I don't want to live by myself in a pristine house. That doesn't sound fun. It would be fun for like a night maybe. And then I'd be like, okay, now I'm, now I'm ready for the people to come back and make it a mess again. Cause life is messy. You know, it's just part of what it is. And there's this really unfair pressure on homemakers, especially to keep their house looking a specific way. And I love looking at catalogs and I love pinning design ideas on Pinterest as much as the next person does. But it's also unrealistic and also Mm -hmm. wildly expensive. Like all of this organization stuff that I've been looking at online, it's super expensive to do that to your house. And like also, why do you need to always take things out of the box that they're in to put it in another box? Because that new box is acrylic and it costs $12.99. $12.99 is a steal. Almost all the ones I see are like $28.99. And I'm like, what the heck? And then you go to the dollar store to get them for cheaper and they're clearly inferior and they crack almost instantly. And you're like, I guess this is why I have to pay a lot. (laughs) Sorry. 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 Yeah. I mean, you, this is, yeah, you asked. Anyway, I've been playing Power Wash Simulator. And it's been very relaxing. I had a really nice long session a couple of nights in the last week. And I, John actually tweeted about it yesterday, um, how I decided, I was like, I need some music. Because I first started playing this game and there's no music really. It's just the soothing sounds of the water cleansing away the dirt of the many, many objects in this game. And then I was like, okay, I need a little something because John was getting irritated by listening to the sound of me changing (laughs) nozzles on my spray gun over and over again. (laughs) So I was like, you know what? I'm going to pull up Spotify on my Xbox, which I've never done. I've talked about on this show how I do not listen to podcasts or music when I play games. I just, I prefer the in-game music, but there's no music in this game. At least not that I've found. And I decided to put on some deep house music because I'm a huge house fan I've loved electronica Mm. since I was in my teens and I haven't like spent time listening to house in a while and I was like just vibing I was on the couch the baby was asleep I was grooving to some like really great electronica music just like like washing to the beat and John's like what are you doing I'm like I'm (laughs) I'm living my best life I'm taking some time for me okay if you don't like my music you can like go to a different room in this house because he was like gosh it's so repetitive and I made the comment to him that this is the one genre of music that I know more than he does because he is a music savant he knows everything about anything when it comes to music and instruments composers you name it whether it's rock or punk classical pop whatever right he just knows it all because he not only is a musician and worked in music professionally but he also worked for harmonics for many years where it was his job to know about music so anywho The game is fun. You basically just clean stuff. You literally just have a power washer and you get sent out on jobs, big and small. And you have a variety of nozzles that you can attach to your power washer. There are a variety of cleaning liquids that you can use for like wood, stone, plastic. And you earn money by washing things and making them clean. I do think that there's some interesting things that they've done with the game that I want to call out. So first, in the career mode... There are no water limits. And as a Southern California resident, I love living in this (laughs) fantasy world where it doesn't cost any water to clean things. 
Because water's real expensive here, and it's real limited, right? We're on a mega drought, historic drought here. And I own a power washer, but I don't use it for this exact reason, because it takes a lot of water. So stuff is just dirty. I bring the power washer out every once in a while when I need to, like, clean, you know, like an outdoor rug or something. But So I love that. But they do have a challenge mode where they give you water restrictions, and you have to get the job done within the water restrictions, which Mm. I think is fun. They also have, like, a timed mode. So because I would love to hear, like, from people about if they are slow or fast at this game, because I take my sweet-ass time. (laughs) I'm watching the videos of it, and it's awakening something in my loins. I'm like, this just looks so satisfying. You know, I'm watching. I'm like, ooh, I want to get out there and do that. So I guess you you kind of touched on this, but is there any way to fail, I guess, in the normal mode? Is it just like you just take your sweet time, you have unlimited water, you live your best life? Because that sounds stress-free and great. I don't think so. I haven't seen a way to fail, at least not that I've been playing. I've been playing for – you know, all your nozzles and stuff. You have all your nozzles and yeah. liquids from the get-go? Okay. So, well, I mean, no, you have to buy them. So you have to, oh. like, do the first, like, job or two with, like, the basics. But then you can buy upgrades. And then you earn stars by how much you clean. But And you can finish a job without cleaning it 100%. But, like, why would you not do it to 100%? I think sometimes you'll get into some of the bigger, more complicated jobs and you'll maybe not be able to find the little specks of dirt because let me tell you, I don't know what's happening in these locations, but it's like a really bad fire happened or like a soot bomb just went off and there's literally dirt in every single crevice that could ever existed. And you get really wise to how kind of nefarious the developers are because you're like, there's no way there can still be dirt on this thing. And they have a highlight button that highlights all the dirt in yellow so you can see. And it's like you mm. have to get prone on the ground and then point your nozzle up at these little tiny oh like God. corners yeah. and crevices under the lips and ledges. I I was get doing a haunted crevice. house Yes, that reminded me of our days of phasmophobia. Because um, <laughs> there's like some light narrative in this game. And there's like a railing, like a banister on the porch of this house. And let me tell you, that is probably the most amount of like bitch work cleaning that I've done ever. I was like, you had to get underneath and on the bottom and on the sides of all of the the spindles. And I was just like, this, oh wow, this is really like, this is too much. I'm going to look a little crazy, but I get that they like to diversify because just cleaning a wall gets really boring. And so I decided to take a break from the campaign to go to the specials. They have this special events section where they have some kind of like off the wall, different fun stuff. And I picked a gnome fountain. It's just a giant what? fountain that has gnomes on the outside of it oh God, uh, to clean. And when I started, I was like, oh, this will be fun. And then I quickly realized, oh my gosh, this fountain is gigantic. So that's like my big gripe with the game so far is that I wish that there were more small jobs, particularly in the beginning when I can't afford the really fancy high level power washers that can clear stuff quickly because if you get to an area that has multiple layers of like soot, moss or mole, rust, and you have to really like go slow to get it off, it can take a really long time to do some of these larger levels. And it's so satisfying to do like a small golf cart or a dirt bike or something that's a little bit more compact. 
And then you're mm-hmm. like, okay, job done. On to the next one. I wish there were like more tiny jobs. Like in the first couple of jobs, it's like you get like two vehicles. And then it's like, how about this giant ass playground that's going to take you two days to clean? And that's my <laughs> problem is that I start it. And then I'm like, well, I have to finish it. And then here it is two o'clock in the morning. And John's like, what are you still doing away? I was like, I have to finish the slide. I'm almost done. <laughs> Uh, the ding is far too satisfying as right? well. When you clean oh. one item in totality, it, they really knew what they were doing with that feedback loop. That was uh, that was wrong of them yeah. to do it or, so right. Or right. I will say the gnome <laughs> fountain is good for that because they have, it's like this uniform all along the outside of the fountain. And so I would just go, as I was like jamming to my house music, I would just go in these long stripes, like <laughs> these long lines. And so what it would mean is when I finally got to the bottom of like a section of the fountain, I would just be like, ding, 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 Ooh. ding. And I was like, yes, oh, satisfying. So satisfying. Oh, man. <laughs> What a concept. You know, it's so funny because I've seen not just Andrea, but a lot of other people playing this game. And it's, you know, just funny because you see Power Wash Simulator. You think, what a weird, like, I'm sorry, like casual air quote here game. It feels like a joke. It feels like like some guys were like, hey, look at all these sim games that are huge, like farming sim, like World of Warships, all these sims. And they're like, what if we did like power wash so wouldn't that be hilarious but and so now many like people really are game. playing it so clearly <laughs> it's scratching an itch that we all need and maybe it just provides that little piece of that like relaxing thing we need in our life at the end of the day and I think it's brilliant I'm trying not to play it because I think I'll probably get just as hooked as you are but you know I'm, I'm getting tempted like watching that footage it's kind of like got me rumbling uh, my, got, I mean, my rumble lips going on Steam <laughs> it's got a 10 out of 10 rating which is very rare and it has 21,000 reviews. Wow. Yeah, See? I'm definitely going to recommend this one for my mom. Maybe just like to help her get used to using the dual sticks. Like, oh, that's smart. It's a Reed. great teaching tool for that. And they have yeah. two modes as well, which makes it more accessibility friendly, where you can clearly toggle the nozzle on and off, thank goodness, because like holding mm-hmm. the trigger down like really makes your hand cramp. And then they oh. have a free aim and then like a fixed aim where you like where the camera is fixed, like a traditional dual stick. And so it's nice if you get a good big swath, you can change the aiming. So you're just basically like painting with your mm. spray of water as you're like cleaning stuff. And Ooh. it's just... It's very soothing. I really hope that they bring this game to mobile because I feel like it would be wildly successful on mobile. And I'd love to just like knock out a couple sections like while I'm cleaning. I checked to see if it was available on cloud streaming via Game Pass and it's not. But maybe it will be someday. I mean, that's it. That's the game. You earn money and then you unlock higher level power washers. And then, of course, there's some customization. You can get different colored gloves. Your washing suit can be different colors. And then at the end, when you finish a job, it has like a little replay movie and it watches you move around the level as you're cleaning stuff, which I think is kind of fun. (gasps) That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm definitely going to send this one to to Mama V. (laughs) Sounds like it's up her alley for sure. It's great. So that's uh, that's what I've been doing. I've been cleaning stuff. Fuck yeah, girl. Good for you. Get that vicarious hit. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, Ree, you have been back on your bullshit. 
Is that yeah. Apex? I'm back at Apex. So I yeah. <laughs> I played Stray. I played Stray on my Steam Deck while we were on our little mini vacation. And that was a wonderful experience. Mm. Good. And then I got home and I was like, uh, I miss Apex. So <laughs> I've been playing a little bit more. And I've been Good. getting really into this Gaiden event. So I won't spend too long on it because I know I get very... <laughs> very nerdy about apex let's get nerdy bitch we're in the middle of season 13 season 13 has been out for a while and there's this guidance event where you have a handful of character skins and you know different gun skins and weapon skins that evoke the theme of different anime characters so what you're seeing in uh, the b-roll here if you're watching on youtube.com slash what's good games is uh watson our lovable little finch character as uh, Naruto and you know she has her her little skin that that evokes that character we have Revenant who looks like a mech and then we also have Octane as the character from One Piece who has the same Luffy is that right and then also Mirage who looks like Midoriya from My Hero Academia so it's a very cute like little mini update with uh, a lot of really great customizations again with Apex, all of the different things that you can purchase are purely cosmetic, but you definitely want them because they look incredible. And they also have this limited time mode called Armed and Dangerous. And if you're familiar with Halo or maybe other games who have used a similar mode, it's essentially shoddy snipers. So you can pick up any type of attachments, grenades, different heal upgrades like shield cells, shield batteries, med kits, or bandages. However, the only weapons you'll find, the only guns, are going to be either shotguns or sniper rifles. And I am not the best with snipers in Apex, but I love this mode. It just encourages a different pace of play. And it's a lot of fun because you're on your typical maps. You know, this is your environments that you're already familiar with. However, it just encourages you to engage with other teams and, you know, of course, your enemies in a, in a much more intentional way. You have to either choose to be right in their face or hang back and keep an eye on your six because as soon as somebody else has a charge rifle, you're done. Like you're absolutely done. So it actually encourages an increased level of map awareness that I haven't actually had before in these maps in Apex, which is really exciting because I've played a lot of this game. So to look at it with fresh eyes because of this limited time mode is just a really unique experience and I'm getting very into it. I'm also practicing because we do have an upcoming season update, season 14, which is called, what is it, Survive, with a new legend. So we have another new legend. It's been a while since we had Newcastle, who was really great. It's good to see another support character. But this one her name is what is it vantage and she's focused on a sniper play style so again Mm -hmm. i'm not that good at sniping however she has the cutest little bat companion and like so i want to see usually bats aren't cute but i'm happy to see a cute bat it's tiny and gray and fuzzy and it is it is really really sweet not this one if you're looking at the b-roll i was like did she shoot her bat this is a different bat she finds a different bat that okay okay Okay. <laughs> I was like, damn. But I'm excited for Vantage. I'm excited for a bat. And we know a surprisingly small amount, seeing as this is only a couple of weeks out. I think the new season for 14 is coming out on August 8th. So we're not far away. And we still don't know her tactical. We don't know her ultimate. Although you're going to assume it's going to be something in the scout class. Something to give you, again, increased map awareness. We've been practicing a lot, like I said, with this new limited time mode armed and dangerous where we're forced to look at these maps in a new light but the the biggest excitement for a lot of people is that 
that we get the King's Canyon back and the map rotation. And King's Canyon is an incredible battle royale map. It is one of my favorites of all times in any game, and I'm I'm just really excited to see it returning into the rotation and seeing what people are going to do with Vantage, because there's been a couple of duds in the most recent Legends that have been added to the game, but Seer has been a high pick rate throughout since his release. He's been really, really popular. He's also very sexy, and so I'm hoping that Vantage <laughs> will you know, be up there. Like I'm really rooting for her to, to be a good one, and also I, Apex and Respawn, if you're listening, I would really love a bat plushie if you make one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Put it out there, girl. Put it out Manifest. there. Manifest. <laughs> but no, it Manifest. looks exciting. I, I'm really excited about this. So yeah, practice your practice your squads in, in Apex, please. Like I've said, I don't understand anything of what you're saying, <laughs> but it just makes me so happy. It's like... Fuck yeah, look at, look at her go. It's Let such her a good go. game. It's such a good uh, game. And there's so much lore and you can choose to interact with it or you could ignore it and you'll still have a good time. That's what I really love about what Respawn's doing. And, you know, they've made it really approachable, which is fantastic. So A plus. A plus for Apex. A. So I have not been playing Apex, but I have been playing. Okay. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's spelled live space a space live. I live alive, alive, is it I, not? I, I thought it live, might have been live, live alive, alive, but maybe live a live. Live alive. Live, live a live. Live, live alive. Hmm. Who could say? I don't know. <laughs> There's probably some official answer out there somewhere, but uh, whatever it is, I don't, clearly don't know. So anyway, I am only two out of the seven stories in. So this game is a remake based off of the 1994 game. I don't know too much about that Famicom game. I know it was in Japan only, and now this is our first taste of it over here in the West. But the idea of it is so fucking cool. I think there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven stories in total. So when the menu boots up, you have seven characters, and you kind of like can spin through them, and they're all set in a different time frame. So you have prehistory, imperial China, the Wild West, present day, the near future, etc. And you can play them in any order you want. It's one of those HD 2D games by um, Square Enix and published by Nintendo. Thank you, Nintendo, for the review code. So don't sue me. But anyway, and what I love so much about this is that each little story, I finished one in two hours. I finished another one in an hour and a half. So they're like these beautiful little bite-sized narratives that are so easy to pick up and play. I can typically finish one in a day. You know, I wake up, I play a little bit, I play a little bit, my kid is napping, and then I play some before bed, and I'm able to just kind of knock out this really, like, great story. And what's so great about all of this is that because they are so short, I don't know if, you know, maybe the developer, I I grant that, I don't know anything about the original one, but it feels like they're able to put so much oomph into the writing and the narrative and the characters and the combat and the gameplay and the mechanics and all of it that each story so far is just super super memorable so for example i have played two from start to finish the first one is the prehistory where you play as a caveman and his ape friend pogo what the caveman's name is pogo ape friend i think is gomi go whatever it doesn't matter and the shtick with that story is that there's no written dialogue all the communication that happens is through grunts groans shrieks character animations etc and because this game is in that hd 2d aesthetic you know you don't have like these beautiful like mocap facial animations that we have today so all you have are those kind of fun little over-exaggerated animations. It's so charming because you would think like, hey, like a a little story without any written dialogue, how, how does that even work? Well, it works and it works so well. And I'm still thinking about that little guy. And that one plays like your typical, you know, JRPG. 
The next one that I've played is The Wild West, which follows a gunslinger known as the Sundown Kid, and he has some beef with this bounty hunter. This one took me maybe an hour 15 to finish from start to finish. And the shtick with that one is that you have a gang of bad dudes coming to this little western town and you have to protect it through the makings of traps and preparation and assigning villagers or the townsfolk certain tasks. So by the time these this gang does invade, that you know you have a surviving chance and you're timed. And at first I was really stressed out about that because I hate being timed in a game, but it's done so well and I was able to succeed. So again, even though I'm only two in, I'm so excited to see what the other five have. And this is just perfect for, I mean, Andrea, if this was your sort of thing, I would recommend this to you in a heartbeat because as you know right now it's hard to actually dedicate a lot of time to to gaming and to get kind of that beginning middle end piece and these games just they're so compact but so fucking good but i know you you probably totally not your thing i hope you enjoy keeping watching shit but yeah no i saw this game and i was like this seems so up brit's alley i'm so glad that you decided to give it a try but you're right that this is just not Mm -mm. my cup of tea choking on my tequila but it's fine (laughs) and my understanding is at the end it's all going to kind of come to together and I believe there are different endings good endings bad endings and I did replay the wild west section because I made one mistake that would have got me a bad ending and I found that out after I played it I wanted to go back and see you know would that have had a consequence and to my surprise it did so there's a lot to unpack in each one and you just never know what you're going to come across so I would say if this sounds like something you would love pick it up play it and try not to look too much into what each scenario provides because I think that's part of the real beauty is when you figure out like oh this is what this game is about uh, it's wonderful so yeah I've been playing that and so far it's great it's perfect for what I need right now I also finished Resident Evil but I don't know if we want to pivot to anybody else right now or am I it is this it I'm actually curious Brittany if I could (laughs) ask a question about live live or live alive or live live or live alive it's 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 li- it's live, live alive. alive. <laughs> Great. Live alive. So I love interconnected storylines. And when you describe mm-hmm. this breakout of each of the chapters and maybe like these more bite-sized experiences all having sort of like a larger connection, like is that a game where I could maybe get over the 2D hump because the story is so intriguing? Or would you say it's still got a lot of that look and feel that I might find it a little bit more difficult to get into? So if you don't like that look and feel... I still think there's something here for you. I personally love it. So every like pixelated wagon I see, I'm just frothing at the mouth. I'm like, oh my God, that's so pretty and it looks so good. But yeah, I mean, it depends on how, I guess how much it really factors into it for you. I personally think the writing is so good. I think every game just feels fresh that you could enjoy it. So I would say give it a shot. I don't know how well they connect overall because I haven't gotten that far. So I don't know if the payoff will necessarily be worth it. But, you know, like I said, you can just do like one scenario one night, a few nights later, try another scenario. And some of them are feel a little bit more modern. Some of them feel a little bit more literally prehistoric. But yeah, I don't know. I, I personally love it, but... You're just going to have to ask yeah. yourself, you know, do I not want to look at pixelated ones? I think I'll try it. I, I could get scenario. into Stardew. Yay! So, I mean, I can clearly get over the hump. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And because each one is so different, you I don't think you'll get bored. I don't think you'll get sick of looking at it because even though it's all in the HD 2D look, you have, the, again, the prehistoric, the Wild West. It's all a set. It looks all so different. The colors, the items you see, the way, you know, water, etc. There's a future one, too, so... Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. I'll try like it and I'll it. report back. Yay. Okay, always makes me happy. Okay, well, let's talk about Resident Evil. 
Resident Evil on Netflix. Again, we talked about that. I think I talked about this last week. By then, I had only seen two of the episodes. I've watched all eight. And it got better as a show. I don't want to say, and maybe a tinge better as a Resident Evil show. But is it the best thing you can watch on Netflix? No, of course not. I know it was number two or number one there for a while. I'm not sure where it's at right now. It feels, it's so hard because everyone's idea of what Resident Evil is, you know, every Resident Evil branch off we get is not focusing on what I love about Resident Evil, which doesn't mean my version of Resident Evil is the best. I love the atmospheric horror. I love the suspension. I love the air of mystery. And while there is a lot of mystery in this one, especially in like maybe episodes five and on where you're kind of like, huh, this is weird. Are you trying to predict what's going on? A lot of it is just focused on the story of Wesker and his two daughters. Again, there's two different timelines. You're jumping from, you know, I don't know, the 20. 22 to 2036. I'm not sure if those dates are accurate, but there's a big leap there from when the girls were teenagers. And now, you know, you have adult Jade. And, you know, it it just feels like an interesting post-apocalyptic story with a little sprinkle, if you will, of Resident Evil lore. You have some of your iconic monsters in there. I can't say it's bad because I don't think it's bad, but it's just the thing you got to go into thinking is that saying to yourself, is this going to be Resident Evil from top to bottom? No. If you're a longtime Resident Evil fan, are you going to have some bones thrown your way? Absolutely you will. And there are a few moments where you're like, oh, that's fucking cool. But I feel like it wouldn't make any sense to someone who hasn't seen Resident Evil. And I think that's a hard line to straddle is how do you appease the fans and how do you appease newcomers? Uh, How do you get people into it? And I think if you try to do both, it's hard to succeed. Some people have done it, absolutely. But so I think that's kind of why you're getting all this discourse of is it a good Resident Evil show? No, is it an okay show? Yeah, it's fine. There's a lot of plot points that are just not really touched upon. A lot of questions I had, a lot of they wouldn't make the reason this character did this because of that, right? Oh, they actually went there. That's a reach, but they did it. You know, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm bummed that you seem bummed. But I'm glad that you watched something different besides, you know, your girl Judy <laughs> and took a break girl, from, from something. <laughs> I'm getting desperate for more Judy. I'm starting to watch people's ripped YouTube videos of Judge Judy. I've doesn't seen, she have an Amazon show now? Oh, I've watched all of them and they're all she hasn't put any new ones out in like a month or so. And I'm sad. So, you know, I guess I'd be curious if anyone watches Resident Evil who maybe doesn't obsess over it like I do, like what their thoughts I'll, would be. I'll watch a couple episodes and we can yeah, talk about please, it. Yeah, please do, because, you know, Jason really liked it, but he's kind of like me, easy to please when it comes to TV shows and movies. You know, like he doesn't really look for, he doesn't critique as much as I do. And of course, since it's Resident Evil, it's my baby. So I, I, you know, dissect that bitch from top to bottom. But he really loved it. He really enjoyed his time watching it. You know, it's okay. Like, it's not awful, but I'm not like, I can't recommend it with my Mm. heart and soul and be like, you have to watch this. It's not scary. It's not like, and that's what Resident Evil is. Oh, really? That's like not scary at all? There's a few tense moments where you're like, oh, is that liquor going to like poke that guy's eyeball out or some shit? But it, there's never like that creeping whore. Listen to the creaking of the floorboards or the banging on a window. You know, there's some like tense stuff, but there's not that slow like foreplay of, of, of weird oh, shit. Yeah. It was like a miss. Yeah. You would think that they would make it at least as scary as like. Stranger you know. Things? Yeah, I mean, Stranger Things was pretty spooky this season. Mm. Or like American Horror Story, right? I don't know. Well, I I'm sorry, know. Britt. 
until oh, you're you disappointed. Know, it's all, I mean, at least, like, the visual effects are kind of cool. Like, you know, the monsters you do see. And it does definitely end with anticipation of a second season. Now, whether that actually happens or not, it could be setting itself up for more success from a Resident Evil perspective because the character that's teased and the enemy you see at the end, you're like, oh, okay. But there's just a lot of unanswered questions that I'm like, that's a really big deal. Why didn't you talk about that? But again, yeah, yeah. Well, I went to Comic-Con. That's a thing that happened very briefly. Was at Comic-Con for a brief hot moment. So it was good to see some folks. I swung by the IGN and Callista Protocol party and said hi to Max and Brian over there and saw some other cool cats. And I had the opportunity, of course, to work with Dramatic Labs on the Star Trek Resurgence panel, which was great. Played through a section of the game. So shout out to that team and thanks for having me. And... It was interesting. I did a little vlog, which I put up on my Twitter account, but I felt like it was noticeably quieter than previous Comic-Cons by design, right? They didn't sell as many tickets, which is great. And everybody was required to wear a mask inside, which made me feel a lot more comfortable about going. Mm-hmm. And overall, I had a really fun kind of 24 hours in San Diego. It makes me excited that events can come back and do it safely. And, you know, there's still excitement around all of the things that we, you know, nerded out about before the pandemic. So I know they're totally different in a sense, but they're also kind of similar in a sense. How did going to San Diego Comic-Con make you feel about PAX West that's next month? Well, I think a big difference between Comic-Con and PAX is that PAX focuses on being able to play video games at the show. And that mm-hmm. hands-on part of PAX inherently makes it a more dangerous show from a disease-spreading standpoint, right? It's a lot Very more true. things to have to sanitize whereas with comic-con you're wearing your costume you have your mask you're sitting in rooms with people for panels and reveals and things like that but if everybody's masked it's much safer mm-hmm. and i don't know if read pop announced that they may have a mask mandate for comic-con because they didn't for east right which i think was a big problem for them and i think if they made a mask mandate I know that the state of Washington doesn't have one right now, but if they, as an event, just said, hey, to keep everybody Mm -hmm. safe, we're going to require everybody wears a mask while they're inside the convention center, that that would go a long way to, I think, making people feel better about going to a show like that. But, you know, they're going to do whatever they are going to do. It's impossible to please everybody, right? Because you're going to get people who bought tickets that are like, there's not a mask mandate. Why are you forcing me to wear my mask? And Mm -hmm. I'm looking. I'd say, like, who cares? Wear your mask inside for a few hours. Whatever. You'll be fine. Yeah, on PAX's website, it says, everyone must wear an approved face covering at all times while inside the venue and while attending PAX West. Boom, there you go. That's great to hear. So I definitely didn't spend as much time inside the convention as I would have normally. Very cognizant of, like, oh, there's a lot of people in here. But these convention halls have really high ceilings and good circulation it's really the panel rooms that are a little bit more concerning because the panel rooms that i was in at comic-con were very large and there was a lot of people spread out again because they had reduced ticket sales the rooms were never packed or full i think the hall h room obviously was different because it's hall h (laughs) but the other panel rooms no but pax is a much more intimate feel a lot of the panel rooms are much smaller so i guess everybody just needs to assess their own personal comfort with how much risk they're willing to take when it comes to going to a show like PAX. But, I mean, I want PAX to come back in its glory. I'm holding out hope that, you know, we can get another booster to manage these variants that keep coming up and that 2023 is the year that we return to a convention together. Oh, oh man. Another party, a panel. Ugh, be glorious. 
It's been too many years. It'll be three years. Can you believe it? Three freaking years. It's, <laughs> it it's also gone by so fast. Yes. <laughs> in a flash. Ah, like this show. It's gone by in a flash. Thank you, everybody, for hanging with us till the end. We appreciate you. Love you. And we will be back next week with another episode. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye.